You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Today we're launching our new series titled Empowered, a study on the Holy Spirit. Um, Something that I want to acknowledge as we enter into this series is over the years, I feel like the, the modern church of today has put the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit on a grading scale and has deemed the Holy Spirit unnecessary. The modern church of today tends to find value in God is our creator, God the Father. The modern church finds value in acknowledging Christ's sacrifice for us. And the modern church tends to neglect the Holy Spirit because we don't want to get weird. Is this making sense this morning? Am I about right? I'm getting warm. And so that's kind of the culture that we find ourselves in. But, you know, I reflect on the third person of the Trinity and recognize that he is necessary. Discussing yesterday with another pastor who, who brought up the, uh, the point, he said, you know, I don't know how churches that aren't sensitive towards the Holy Spirit are surviving right now. In my response to him, I said, you know, brother, I don't think they're going to survive this season without the Holy Spirit. And I don't say that with any joy. I say it with a heart of concern and a heart that breaks for churches and denominations that shove the third person of the Trinity out of the church because we have to recognize that the Holy Spirit, and we're going to get to this point later, the Holy Spirit empowers and legitimizes the ministry of the church. This morning during worship, if, if you didn't sense his presence, then my goodness, we need to have an altar call right now. Like when you step into a church, and I've heard this comment before at our church, people come in and they say, there's just something about this place that is different. And my only explanation is, it's the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. It's the only way that I can explain that during worship, you have the hardest of heart guys who are coming up going, what is wrong with your music? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm feeling What is that about? And the only way I know how to describe it is it's the Holy Spirit. It's it's the way that God honors a church that says, Lord, we don't just want a part of you. We want all of you. Reverend John Stott put it this way. Without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life of God giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the spirit, no Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit, and no effective witness without his power. As a body without breath is a corpse, so is a church without the spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit. And this morning, if you come from a background where weird things have been done in the name of the Holy Spirit, I want to clarify in this moment, when I reference the empowerment or the movement of the Holy Spirit, I am not talking about unbiblical things being done in the name of the Holy Spirit. What I'm talking about, when we say statements in church language that says the moving of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. 
What we are referencing is this, genuine conviction brought by the Holy Spirit into people's lives leading to repentance. We're talking about people being gripped by God in a supernatural way. We're talking about genuine conversions and life changes. We're talking about signs, wonders, and miracles, healings, deliverances, and baptisms in the Holy Spirit, gifts in the Holy Spirit flowing biblically and freely. We're talking about having an identity in Christ. Did you know that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps form your identity in Christ? It's from the Holy Spirit that He brings us into what we call the fruit of the Spirit, which is the characteristics of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that comes into your life and leads you into Christ's likeness, therefore forming your identity, who you are and who you are not called to be. It's the Holy Spirit who leads us in this. It's the Holy Spirit who come and convicts. It's the Holy Spirit that helps form our identity. Do you know that that is why the church of today is in a situation where they are in an identity crisis? Because they've blocked the Holy Spirit out. The church of today, the modern church of today, tends to block the Holy Spirit out. And so what you're left with is a powerless, fruitless corpse of a church. What we're talking about when we say the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is we are talking about a renewed boldness and being equipped to do the ministry of Jesus. This is indeed the biblical pattern of the Holy Spirit and how He moves and how He works. There's many, there's many misconceptions when it comes to with, in regards to, to who the Holy Spirit is or what the Holy Spirit is. For example, in the 90s, there was a bad habit in church culture to call the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. How many of you are familiar with this background? Old-time Pentecostals, anybody? And while there are some translations that there's different passages that refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost in some translations, what we ended up with is we ended up with a freaked-out church that is now associating the Holy Spirit with ghosts, Some have fallen into the misconception that the Holy Spirit is impersonal or that He is an it and more operates like a force than a person. Have you ever seen the movie Star Wars? There's a misconception where some people say that the Holy Spirit is like the force. Then it's just kind of this impersonal thing that happens to you and that's why you feel certain things. And I want to first say that these are incorrect, of course. But some get, there's other misconceptions where some get caught up in the word holy, and they interpret this as the elimination of anything joyful and fun. So if I'm going to embrace the Holy Spirit, that means that I'm going to become legalistic and stuck up and that I, my job is therefore going to be the Holy Spirit to everyone else rather than letting the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. And there's, therefore, there's a fear of, I don't want the Holy Spirit in my life because it's the elimination of joy and things that are fun. Throughout the Bible, first off, in order to correct some of these misconceptions, throughout the Bible, we must acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is referred to with masculine pronouns. 
John chapter 15, 16, John chapter 15 and 16 are examples of this. Throughout Scripture, His, the Holy Spirit's attributes are listed as such. He's always present. He always leads us in the will of God. He has thought. He has intellect. He is eternal and so on. The personhood of the Holy Spirit is affirmed by his works. He is involved in the creation of Genesis in chapter 1, verse 2. He empowers, convicts, teaches, guides, restrains from sin, and the list goes on. The point this morning, church, is this. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity, and I acknowledge that there are some here today where this may be new to you and you're like, this is, this is kind of weird. Can I, can I just uh, propose a different way of thinking? It's extremely odd to me, and I will forever say this, that there are those gathering around the church of today in America and across the world, they're meeting together, and there are those who are gathering in houses of worship and they have no expectation to encounter something real. That makes no sense to me. There are those that are gathering today and they have no intention of feeling or being led by anything. That They're just numb to it all. Can I tell you that often the difference between relationship and religion is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit? That He leads us in something real. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to dedicate my faith and my life to something, I want to know that it's real and that is why I serve Jesus. And a part of serving Jesus is acknowledging the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So let's discuss some of the fundamental roles and things that the Holy Spirit does. Not all of the roles that He plays in our lives and what He does, but the more fundamental things. The Holy Spirit, first and foremost, the Holy Spirit affirms that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit affirms that we are God's children. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says the Spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. Now I want you to understand how big of a deal this is. That means that on your worst day when you are feeling the weight of life, when you are struggling with doubt that says, is this real? You will struggle with doubt that says, is God real? Is he here? It's in those moments where we hear the still, small, quiet voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, you're chosen. You're his child. He's real. And he's here. It's the Holy Spirit that begins to affirm the things in our life when we struggle with doubt. That not only He exists, but we are His and He is ours. It's in those moments that the Holy Spirit lets us know that we're accepted and loved by Christ. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit reminding us that we are God's possession that gives us confidence. And this voice, I want to be clear, is not our own conscience. Because I don't know, I hope that we can be real this morning because being fake is exhausting. But our natural conscience is one that leads us away from Christ, not to Christ. And often you'll have Satan that takes a hold of this conscious voice, this subconscious voice, and begins to implement his narrative. And so when you start condemning yourself, when you start thinking, I'm not worthy, you'll often hear Satan's voice come into that and say, you know you're right. 
our natural conscience doesn't tend to lead us in the way of the Lord. That's when the Holy Spirit comes in and brings out affirmation and says, don't listen to that. Your past does not define you. The blood of Jesus defines you. It is in this role of the Holy Spirit that we are able to make sense of Psalm 42, verse 7, when David said, deep calls out to deep. That my innermost being, where I struggle with doubt, my innermost being that no one else can see, that only I know where my motives and passions and desires come from, that innermost depth is crying out and calling out to the innermost depths of God's heart. And it's the Holy Spirit that's facilitating deep calling out to deep. And it's in these depths of our heart that the Holy Spirit begins to work. And what I would say is an irreversible work. And what I mean by that is I'm reminded of the scripture where Paul says, you know, I I don't convince people to follow Jesus unless I rob the cross of its power. And what he's referring to there is if you and I try to win people over to Jesus by using our human intellect and cleverness, then that means somebody else can come along and use human intellect and uh, uh, cleverness to pull them away from Jesus. But when it's the real deal, when it's the Holy Spirit working in the depths of the heart, You can't convince anyone to give that up. Deep, calling out to deep and reminding my humanity and my flesh when I struggle with doubt that I am a child of God. It's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit also corrects and convicts. John chapter 16, verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And I want to be clear here this morning. If you have a past of abuse, first, my heart breaks for you. I'm sorry that that's a part of your past, but I also want to say that Jesus can heal that hurt. But I want to make sure that when we look at these words, convict, when we look at these words such as correction, that we're not interpreting these verses through the lens of a fallen humanity and applying abuse that has happened to our lives to a holy being, the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit corrects and convicts in the most loving, gentle possible way. It's not abusive. It's not anger flying off the handle. It is the most beautiful balance of holiness and correction you could ever imagine. And it's refreshing to us that he does this. Because church, that means this. It means that when you and I are are leading ourselves away from Jesus, the Holy Spirit will always meet you there with conviction to lead you back to him. It means that you and I don't have to be fearful of ourselves wandering away like a sheep away from Jesus without encountering the Holy Spirit calling us back to him through conviction and correction. Now, don't get me wrong, some may willfully choose to block out the Holy Spirit's voice in their life, and that's a topic for another day. We all have free will, and you can choose to ignore those Holy Spirit-driven promptings and convictions. But how beautiful is it when we submit to His voice and we're led in His ways 
the Holy Spirit, He also helps us. Well, what does He help us with, Pastor? Everything. John chapter 14, verse 26 says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus tells his disciples here, he says, the helper, quote unquote, the helper will come. If you're taking notes this morning, I would encourage you to find that verse and underline the word helper. The word used here for helper in the Greek means, is, it means this, paraclete. The word paraclete means the same kind of another. So Jesus is telling his disciples, he says, I'm going to send you something different, but it's just like me. It's the same kind. It's of me, but it's another. You don't have to worry about a counterfeit. You don't have to worry about something less than. Jesus said, it's of me. It's just like me, and you're going to receive him. The Holy Spirit helps us in a variety of ways, but I find more often than not that the Holy Spirit shines the brightest in the most darkest hours. Where you and I, when we get caught up in those moments where all we can see is the darkness of life, when you hear that language, oh, you know, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. Glory to God. I mean, what? When that's someone's perspective, it's the Holy Spirit that reminds us there's still work to be done. There's still people to be reached, that He still has a plan. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who brings us up out of situations where we're able to see beyond ourselves and see Christ. And we see this in Revelation chapter 1. John was exiled on the island of Patmos, and as a result of this persecution and this deserted island, he says these beautiful words... And I was in the Spirit. Now, I don't know if you caught that, but that means that in John's worst hour, when he was in a desolate place in life, the Lord lifted him up and he began to receive dreams, signs, and wonders from the Holy Spirit. Friends, the point is this. No matter where you end up in life, there will always be an opportunity to call on His Holy Spirit, and His Holy Spirit will lift you up out of that situation so that you're in the Spirit and give you a biblical perspective. The Holy Spirit lifts us up out of situations, sometimes situations that we've created. Can I get a witness this morning? Are we all going to act perfect? Some biblical translations replace the word helper with counselor, and that still applies because when you start to study the Greek in Scripture, you realize that one of their words has four different definitions. And it still applies because this word still describes the character of the Holy Spirit. And that's this word, counselor. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. John chapter 14, verse 26 says, The Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's counsel. Holy Spirit brings us God's wisdom 
when you're facing situations and trials that you just cannot figure out, rather than leaving you in that place of confusion and weariness, trying to figure it out on your own, his Holy Spirit comes into the situation in your inner man, in your inner being, and gives you direction from the deepest place within you. When you don't have the words to speak or the wisdom to give, the Holy Spirit will supply you with God's word and God's wisdom. And what an incredible sense of peace to know that I will never arrive in life at a situation that the Holy Spirit cannot lead me through. There's never going to come a time where I arrive at a valley that he's not going to lead me through. It's why we have the slogan or the saying in church, if God brought me to it, he'll bring me through it. The Holy Spirit leads us in those moments, offers us counsel to get beyond those moments. What peace to know that there will never be a situation that comes up that the Holy Spirit isn't already equipped to handle. Have you ever been dealt with a situation where you just don't, it's so shocking or so grieving that you just don't have the words to speak? Anybody here today? Come on, talk back to me. I remember when I was a youth pastor that we just dealt with so many tragedies. And there comes a point where you can be a licensed professional counselor, but academics only go so far. And academics can't prepare you for every situation that you're going to face in life. And it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when will you arrive at a situation where you just simply say, I've never been taught how to handle this. I've never been taught how to walk through this. And it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit offers us counsel and leads us. I remember when I was a youth pastor, there were a few different suicide situations that we walked through. And I remember one specifically arriving at the hospital and Again, there's just no class that you could ever take to be able to handle one of these situations. Yes, we, as pastors, you take various counseling courses and so on and so forth. But again, there's just some situations that you could have never, that you're not going to find it in a book. And I remember arriving to the hospital and asking the nurse staff the room. I looked in the hospital room and where this student was, there was no one there. And I remember asking and saying, where's her family? And they said, they haven't shown up. How long has she been here? Seven hours. And here you have a girl who's contemplating the value of her life. And there's no one in the room, and a part of the reason why she contemplated the value of her life is because no one's there for her, and she's in an empty room. What do you say? What could I possibly speak to this girl that would get her to understand just how precious her life is? What could I possibly say that would bring some comfort to her family members abandoning her? And it was in this moment that I remember walking into the hospital room and speaking words, and I still to this day, I cannot tell you what I said. 
I have no recollection of the conversation, hardly any. But I know that it was really good. And I know that she's following Jesus today. And the reason why I boast about that is because, please don't get me wrong, this isn't arrogance. I'm just, I'm bragging on the Holy Spirit. I'm not that good. I'm just not. And something happened when I stepped into that hospital room where wisdom came down from heaven that was so far beyond anything I could ever come up with or conjure up on my own. And it was the Holy Spirit. It was deep calling out to deep in her life. And it was the Holy Spirit doing the convincing and revelation in that moment. I could have never done it. Had it been left up to me, I probably would have left that hospital room and she would have been worse off than when I found her. But then there's the Holy Spirit. And friends, this is what it means when, it, when Scripture says that He is our counselor. This is what it means when Jesus said He's going to lead you in all truth. It means that when you arrive at the hospital room and you don't have the words and friend, you cannot find it in a book. You cannot find it on a blog. You cannot find it from a social media influencer. You certainly can't find it from mainstream media. There's nowhere where you can get wisdom from. You can't, you can't even reach deep down with inside yourself. And find the wisdom. You're going to reach for an empty well if you do that. But it's the Holy Spirit, Him, who comes into that room and to the, He speaks so f just fluently through you that I can't even tell you what I said. Because they weren't my words. They were His. The Holy Spirit, lastly, as the worship team comes, and part of the reason why we're going to be ending early, Lord willing, you're seeing a sign and wonder right now, <laughs> that through the next couple weeks, we plan on setting aside time at the end of the services to seek the Holy Spirit, to seek His presence, to practice what we preach. Because like, I, I just want to ask you, and, and, and candidly, you don't have to answer out loud, but like the wisdom that I just described, the counsel that I just described, don't you want that? Like, I mean, honestly, ask yourself, like husbands in the room, and the reason why I pick on guys and I've described this before is because using ladies in these illustrations makes me feel like I'm being offensive. So guys, we're one of a kind. I'm going to pick on you. But like men, like, don't you want this kind of wisdom between you and your relationship with your kids? Where like you're not giving them wisdom that has a shelf life, which is your own wisdom, by the way. No offense. Don't you want to give them like wisdom that is going to pour into their life and they are going to remember those words and those quotes of what you speak for the rest of their life because you weren't actually speaking it. It was just wisdom that was coming to you through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Like, don't you want that in your marriage? 
don't you want that in the workplace whenever you're going and you hear a guy make a comment about how he's going through a divorce or he's going through an addiction or there's a family member that they have lost or a broken relationship between a son and a daughter? Don't you want in that moment like wisdom to just fall upon you from the Holy Spirit so that you can be used as a vessel to impact their life? Like, don't you want that? Because all it costs you is your pride. In just a little bit, we're, we're going to open up the altar and we're going to seek God. And if you're, you know, and again, I just feel like guys struggle with this tough exterior. Like, I can't go up there. I'm not going to do that. That's fine. You won't have this gift. You won't have this counsel. Because all it takes, it's such it's cheap. All it costs you is your pride and a willingness to pursue this gift and his ways and his will for your life. That's all it costs you. Ladies, don't you want this present in your life through whatever circumstances that I just described? Co-workers between you and your children, the same applies. Don't you want this wisdom? All it costs you, ladies, is your pride. Lastly, the Holy Spirit, He empowers us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus saying that this gift is going to keep going and going and going and going and going. You're never going to reach the ends of the earth. It says you will receive power. Now often when we interpret that word or when we look at that word power, we give it a, a minimal definition. And what I mean by that is we look at power and we think of the scripture verses where disciples and those who were Holy Spirit empowered were walking around casting out demons. And so we look and it's like, Pastor, I don't plan on being the Holy Spirit Ghostbusters. Like I don't plan on walking around Allentown and Philadelphia and Dare I say, even like Wilkesbury, they need Jesus. Like, I don't plan on going down there and, and casting out demons, so why do I need this gift? And friend, I hope to broaden your definition and your perspective of the word empowerment this morning because Jesus was referring to an empowerment that was practical in all areas of life, not just casting out demons. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not only needed, but absolutely practical. Why is the Holy Spirit empowerment practical? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't just help us in big ways. The Holy Spirit helps us by simply equipping us to do things that without the empowerment, we never could have done on our own. Let me put it to you this way. How many of you need empowerment to be a parent? And I know it's the parents because you're like, oh. You can't even find the strength to go, yes. You're just like, ugh. Speaking in vowels. Ah. Oh. How many of you need empowerment 
to go to work? How many of you need empowerment on 22? <laughs> the point is, is we need empowerment in all areas of our life, and it's practical. It's a practical kind of empowerment. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 8 says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. That means an unknown language. As the Spirit enabled them to do so. So what happens immediately after this supernatural occurrence of the Holy Spirit baptizing them, what happens immediately is Peter goes out and preaches like the sermon of all sermons. Fearful Peter denied Jesus three times. That guy goes out into the streets and begins to preach a very bold message. Read it in Acts chapter 2. It's a great message. He goes out, and then these individuals, they say, we're cut to the heart. What must we do to be saved? And Scripture real casually says, and about 3,000 were added today. It's a good day. It's a good service. And throughout the book of Acts, there's a steady pattern, a consistent pattern of this. Those being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then they have effective ministry. That's it. That's the entire book of Acts summarized. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, empowered to do effective ministry. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, empowered to do effective ministry. And this effective ministry is the promise of Jesus when he said, and you will be my witnesses. The point is this, the Holy Spirit empowers us to be effective witnesses. Now follow me on this as we head towards our close. Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 says that there were roughly around 120 gathered and the baptism of the Holy Spirit happened and empowered and was poured out upon these 120. They go into the streets and begin to do ministry. Peter, as I just mentioned, preaches and 3,000 repent and follow Jesus. And most scholars would agree that the only way to sustain this growth of adding 3,000 new church members was to have the 120 open up their homes and do ministry out of those homes. And we see a little bit of a glimpse of this in Acts chapter 2 where it says that they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teachings. They gathered and broke bed, bread together. And it says that they, like, they describe a scene that there were home churches that opened up as a result of this. The 120 were therefore equipped through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do ministry. So allow me to ask you this. If we had a good church service on a Sunday morning where 3,000 were added and we asked all of you to open up your homes and disciple 25 to 30 people apiece and teach them how to pray, how to read the word of God, how to worship, how to follow Jesus right here where you stand, do not answer out loud, would you be prepared for that? Do you know how to teach someone to pray? Do you know how to teach someone to do devotions? Do you know how to explain salvation to someone? If your answer is like most, 
No, pastor, I would not be equipped for that. I would not be ready for that. That would be a little bit over my head. Then my friend, you are the perfect candidate to seek the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because it's him who qualifies us. And this work of the Holy Spirit comes into our life and we see it with Peter. He goes from ineffective to effective ministry like that through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we can only assume that that same effect happened or had this, the Holy Spirit had the same effect on the 120 because the Holy Spirit had that effect on everyone else in the book of Acts. It's consistent with the pattern. Would you stand with me this morning, church? And I simply want to ask you this. Are you an effective witness? If you say, yes, pastor, my question is, in 2022, 2022 is going to be over in just a couple months. How many people this year have you discipled? How many people this year have you led to Jesus? If your answer is none, then friend, this isn't me condemning. I'm simply saying you're the perfect candidate for some empowerment here today. The year's not over, and it's time to get to work. He's more than able. Well, pastor, I'm not good with words. Neither was Moses, and God worked through that. God said, I created your mouth. Am I not capable of speaking through the very thing that I have created? That's what God was saying. And so here today, in the weeks to come, we are specifically going to be praying over the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be opening up the altars. But for today, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, this is the last day that I want you to prepare the upper room. Today, we're just soaking and seeking His presence and getting familiar with the Holy Spirit. For those who say, Pastor, this is all new to me, I want to give you a week to brush up on Acts chapter 2 because next week we're going to be praying over Acts chapter 2 and seeing it come to life here. But for today, I want to ask you, will you give God your pride before we go any further? Because if you're here today and you say, I'm too manly for that, if you say, I'm too strong of a woman for that, I'm not going to do that, then friend, I don't think you're going to experience a movement of the Holy Spirit in your life for the rest of this series this month. But if you say yes, if you say yes, and you spend time opening up your life and letting pride fall, then, ladies, God could use you to be an Esther. Setting his people free in a nation that is still enslaved. We just think that we aren't. Men, if you say yes, he'll change your life. I mean, he will absolutely change your life. And I don't mean any of the misconception definitions of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the right way of perceiving the Holy Spirit. Is this making sense this morning? All it costs you is the small price tag of your pride. And what you gain is more than what you could ever imagine. And so in a moment, we're going to start leading in this song titled, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. 
and I want to open up the altars, and I'm not going to one, two, three us. I'm not going to start calling people out by any means because I believe that what the Lord wants to do here today is start to get the pride off of us for what is yet to come this month. God's saying, you're going to have, we're going to have to deal with this pride first. That whole like being ashamed to come to the altar thing, you're going to have to get rid of that so that you can encounter me. And the last thing that I want to say as we close for our fourth closing today, hallelujah, is that often God is motion activated. Pastor, that doesn't sound very biblical. Allow me to elaborate. When Moses came to the bush, what did he say? Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Moses had to do something. There was a humility that happened. When Moses went to the river, he said, stretch out your hands, and then God moved. And we see this pattern throughout the New Testament that those who decide to follow Jesus, it costs them their pride. There has to be something that they give up and then Jesus comes in because we've made room for him in that manner. And so here today, a part of the reason why we open up this space at the front of the sanctuary is because this represents a place of sacrifice. And we would recognize that places of sacrifices are places of encounter. And when you step out of your seat and let all that pride get off of you, you'll find that he often meets you in that place of sacrifice. Would you bow your heads with me? This is our soft closing here today, by the way. And what I mean by that is after I say amen, if you feel like you've met with God, if there's other things happening today, I get it. You're free to to be released. But I want to challenge you, if not, please stay and seek his face and his presence. We're not going to be in a rush to close at a specific time today. We're just simply seeking what God has. And as I say amen, I just want to remind that the altars will be open as the Lord leads. I want to challenge you, men, ladies, don't allow pride to ever stand in the way between you and God. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the encounter that we've experienced here today with you already. Lord, we look forward to the things that are yet to come this month because we recognize that there is always transformation that follows a spirit-empowered body. So Lord, would you lead us? Would you guide us and mold us and shape us? I pray that we wouldn't be a people bound by the clock, but that we would be people bound to your presence in pursuing not just a part of you, but all of you. And Lord, we also in this moment, we repent. We say sorry if we have ever taken the third person of the Trinity out of context and devalued him. Lord, help, it, help us not to continue to grieve the Holy Spirit. But I pray here today we would seek you, seek your presence, seek the empowerment. Help us, Lord, to make our hearts an upper room today so that we can wait on the encounter with you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.